Campfire. Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. This week we have a very special treat. After over two years of attempts to line our schedules up, I finally managed to get today's guest to sit down and talk with me for an hour. Cole Harold is the brilliant mind behind the New World Explorer blog, which I highly, highly recommend. I bookmarked it a year and a half ago, and I go back on a weekly basis. This guy is, I mean, he is a veritable human encyclopedia of Fortean knowledge. The, the stories that come out of this guy, just off the top of his head, it blows my mind. He has so much knowledge about this stuff. And of course, with anyone like that, I had an amazing time chatting. We talked about everything from the veggie man and lake monsters to ghost animals and some very cool little gnome encounters that something I really would like to dig into. So please go and support him in everything that he does. Both deserve it. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this fireside chat with Cole Harold. All right, Cole Harold, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. We, uh, You mentioned before off mic, like, I think... I've initially brought up you coming on the show like over a year ago. <laughs> yeah, something like something about that a year. It was it was very early um, on when I started to have like a, an internet presence. So yeah, yeah. Was that around the time you did the episode with Vuk? Uh, the first, yeah, I think so. It was like right before or right after the Ubavia yeah. Phantom episode came out. Yeah. So yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, back then Vuk and I were like talking all day every day and going back and forth so i remember him talking to me about you and like how great your research was and all that so you were on my radar pretty quickly <laughs> uh yeah vuk um yeah i've been on Vuk's show a, a couple of times and we've talked about all sorts of different cases and um uh he sends me down different rabbit holes to think about for sure and uh, different cases then even to like look into because of just uh, different things that he's brought up. So, yeah, yeah, it's I also I also I find it interesting because, like you said, you're you're very much like a cryptid guy, like mm-hmm. you tend to lean toward, you know, cryptid and UFO stuff. And Vuk is very much like into the sociological mm-hmm. and sort of like bigger, more philosophical theories mm-hmm. and have you felt like some influence from you know from that side talking to Vuk? For sure with with certain things um, I think that see this is kind of like the, the million dollar question because it gets into every aspect of the 14 and the paranormal yeah. is um, because there are things that definitely seem to be like the tricksters or you know um manifestations that seem to be trying to instill messages or be reflections of ourselves or something along those lines 
And then there's this things where I'm like, okay, I can see it with these cases, but then with these, they're leaving traces of themselves and things like that. So I'm, yeah. or um, there's things that, like when you get into even the things that seem to be related, there's differences between those yeah. types of cases and the cases that are what what you could consider traditional, or, or I, I guess would be the word for it. Yeah. Like um, like the UFO Bigfoot stuff, um, for mm -hmm. prime example. Um, because it's not even necessarily the fact that there's a UFO scene, but like if you look at like the stuff in the PA that was seen in PA in 73, if you look at the eyewitness drawings, they don't look like Bigfoot at all. They look more like dogmen. Um, sure. Like they have the pointed ears, the fangs, you know, the upturned yeah. nose. I'm like, I, so for me, it's like, was this, was it just the fact that Bigfoot was in the common term at the time and more socially acceptable yeah. to say I saw a Bigfoot as opposed to I saw a werewolf or a dogman? Um, and then you have like the cases like the uh, the George Kowalczyk case, which there, there was no eyewitness drawings, at least that we know of, but it still is that it's the uh, Bigfoot UFO one. So if that one is... Yeah. If that one is a, a Bigfoot like creature, it's unique because it's it's actually one of the ones that actually kind of is like the two meshing. Um, and yeah. then you have like Momo even where it's like the big watermelon shaped head. Um, and then there is a a South American equivalent which um, I called the Triclops of the Baraja Grande. Uh, I'm hoping I pronounced that right. I could be wrong because <laughs> I'm not a I'm not very skilled when it comes to other languages. But sure. that was a white white-haired bigfoot type creature that stole a man's scarf and it had <laughs> it had three eyes in this in the center of its forehead and that was seen um in conjunction with the ufo as well um at That's the same awesome. at the same time um it's in the humanoids uh the charles bowen's book Br yeah. m mentioned briefly very briefly i and then i did a little bit more digging on it but um that's another example of that where they they don't quite fit but then yeah. they look similar um, sure. But then there's those cases that do seem to be like the overlap. Um, yeah. And we see even with things like not deer and things like that, where it's something traditional, but then it does something totally off. Or even if you yeah. want to go down like the ghost route, it, it uh, we know that people exist and humans are real and things like that. And a lot of times with ghosts, they seem to be flesh and blood people until they do something off or something sure. along those lines. So it's the same, it's the same thing. So, for me, a lot of what Vuk has hypothesized makes sense and probably does occur. Um, like with the with the Gaia hypothesis, especially when especially when you're getting into um, the messages, like with an alien con yeah. contactees back in the day. Yeah. Um, and I think that it does occur. I just don't. I'm not. But I'm not. But I can't just single it out and say it's all that. That's that's yeah. just my person. Yeah. Um, I. I'm. I try to subscribe to the idea of, you know, chronic agnosticism, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't, I don't pick a team ever. So I think like any of these things could be the answer and all of these things could be the answer. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, that, that seems to be the best. Too. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. I think if you, if you narrow it down too much, you're, I mean, to put it plainly, you're sucking all the fun out of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and I think a lot of this is like, 
I think the purpose of a lot of this is novelty. It's, you know, it's enjoyment. It's fascinating and mysterious and all the aspects that draw human imagination in the first place, right? But I want to take it, like, all the way back Mm. and get to know you a little bit. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Um, Sunbury is... Best known um, because we have uh, the Edison Hotel, which um, the Edison Hotel was the first hotel that I, well, the first place actually, I'm not going to say just hotel, but the first place that actually had Thomas Edison used the light bulb at. However, okay. it did not work. The building <laughs> caught fire. Um, so it was kind of a failed experiment, but for whatever reason, the town decided to embrace that. And uh, now we have the Edison Hotel. They, um, for the, uh, instead of the dropping of the ball on uh, New Year's Eve, they light up a big light bulb. Um, uh, The hotel's also haunted. um, Of course. So that's always been interesting. Um, And and my town, later as I got older, I found, had a lot of things. Like, we've had a case of spontaneous human combustion there. There was... um, a case where a whole bunch of police officers tr- chased down a UFO in our town. Ghosts were rampant. The Susquehanna River, is, which um, floods into the city occasionally, so we had to build walls, is home to a bunch of different water cryptids, um, including one that uh, our main newspaper source there, the Daily Item, uh, the, the sportsman section actually covered and was the eyewitness to one of the creatures um, in this wow. lake and had seen it multiple times. He described it almost like how the Alkali Lake monsters were as these just submarine-type creatures, large submarine-type creatures, and he'd seen it, I believe, three times. Um, Interesting. And that's not to include um, the other creatures that are seen in the Susquehanna River and, and other portions of the state. Yeah. Um, I currently though, live in Northumberland, Pennsylvania, and um, which is right across the bridge. Uh, from Sunbury. Um, okay. So I've been a Pennsylvania native all my life. Uh, it's nice. also part of the reason why I'm so interested in uh, Pennsylvania cases in general. Yeah. And Pennsylvania is a weird, a weird spot. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that it's probably the weirdest state out there, but because of just where we are and how we're located, you don't think about it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's that's a one, big uh, that's a big claim to make. I think it is honestly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we ha- we have we pretty much every type of um, cryptid you can think of has been seen here, and um, obviously I mentioned earlier the UFO Bigfoot flap that occurred in '73. Um, there was the Presque Isle incident, uh, which was again one of the first ones where even though the witnesses really couldn't see the creature so much. It was. It's assumed to be one of the first UFO Bigfoot cases. Um, we have the dog. We have dogmen sightings. We have um, toadmen sightings. Frogmen sightings. Uh, the New Kensington Green thing, which is a, a two foot tall lizard man with big floppy ears and nipples and a, a, a shark fin crest. Um, yeah. The broad top serpent, which is a giant forty foot tall, forty foot long black snake. Um, we have pterosaur sightings. We have uh, traditional Thunderbird sightings. Um, we have the Goose Grabber, which is a, an all-time yeah. favorite, which is yep. pre-Sheep Squatch type creature. Um, 
the yellow what is it which is a little yellow horned uh t-rex armed um genitalia wielding elephant legged <laughs> creature with a small face um, there's a it? there was a charles mill <laughs> lake monster type creature seen in the early 1900s here way before charles mill in, even yeah. reported their monster um Lizard men have been seen here. Just about any type, ghost yeah. dogs, black dogs, go, ghost humans, headless horses. We've got everything. And I, every state's yeah. got their weirdness, but it just seems that PA, for whatever reason, gets hit with everything. And, like, the high strangeness stuff, too. Um, yeah. Just, it's incredible how much weirdness yeah. is just centered here. I mean, you're you're in a pretty a pretty fucking weird region in general, mm-hmm. right? With you got like Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia, all those spots right mm-hmm. there. That's so, I mean, all those States claim to be the weirdest States. Oh yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like, and they, they all have an argument, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, a lot of weirdness going on there. See the thing I'll give, the thing I'll give West Virginia, um, and why I would say it's probably the next contender or, maybe even surpasses PA is that it has a lot more landmark cases like sure. cases that catch the um, catch imagination like Mothman even though we've had Mothman sightings here in PA and Owlman sightings here in PA yeah. and giant bat sightings and flying humanoids um, but the Mothman sightings but the Mothman sightings from 66 yeah. 67s there you have yep. injured cold you have um, veggie man obviously you've got Grafton monster sure. um and those are like the big ones that people gravitate towards. Yeah. Uh, there's and then there's Agua, which we share the Monongah Ala River as well, um, yeah. and we actually have Monongi sightings here in PA. So it's kind of one of those things. Um, but granted, but, but do you have a Flatwoods monster? We do not have a Flatwoods monster. <laughs> we have Kexburg though, which is yeah, that's that's fair. Kexburg is weirder, I yeah, think. A little bit, just because. The, the secrecy around Kecksburg yeah, as exactly. opposed to kids see a monster um, and then the area around it has sightings of a similar creature between the yeah. 12th and the 13th and it seems to be shedding whatever suit it was wearing because yeah. um, aside from the Frametown incident there was another two sightings um, so two questions real quick yes. about, about West Virginia shit yeah. so one you sort of already hit on, but do you think that the other sightings, those other sightings of the Flatwoods monster are, do you, do you think that was the same creature? I think so, only because frame the Frametown incident, when they, they they described the upper torso as like the reptilian feet creature. But when you're looking at the other sightings that occurred, because the Frametown incident is the one that everybody likes to mention inside, but there actually were two yeah. others. Um, and it's in the, the Braxton County monster book and, uh, Albert Rosales chronicled it in the humanoid encounters. And there's actually illustrations of what the creature looked like. And it's the same suit. Like the, the, the descriptions are the same suit that Braxy was wearing. Okay. And it just seems to be like, because, and if you follow the, the sightings, it's Flatwoods monster and it's spade hated, spade headed glory. Then you have the sightings where it's this col- like this strange head in a colander-shaped body floating around, and then it's pretty. It's the Frame Town incidents, and 
it's literally like it's shedding whatever suit or whatever device or apparatus it is. So sure. for me, if if they're not related, that's a weird sort of coincidence, especially yeah. within a matter of like 24 hours. For sure. I yeah, I tend to agree, but I know some people kind of some people kind of ride off those other counters. Well, the um well, I think the the reason that they do that too, I can understand the reason they do that because of the fact that they occurred and came into the public later. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's a ton of time. There's a ton of times when stories come out and they become more popular or the ridicule has died down that others come up and are more able to talk about things. Yeah. So you got it. You got it. You got to view it 50, 50. And I look at it like this. If they really wanted to say that, it was this like the same thing or if they wanted to say try to capitalize on flatwoods they would have described it the same way they wouldn't have described yeah. it as you know the like minor like this the suit being taken off and from different yeah. people so and i'm like eh, no that if it, if, if they would have wanted to make that a hoax they would have been like either way off the wall or they would have kept it the same there wouldn't have been yeah. this it would have created a reasonable narrative. Yeah. So, yeah. So it makes sense. My second question. Yes. Why of all of the of all of the bizarre one-off humanoid sightings, why do so many people care so much about the Grafton monster? The Grafton mon I for some reason it's like one of the most one of the most talked about cryptids maybe it's just because people like to say like west virginia has this mm-hmm. this this and then mm-hmm. you know people are always naming all the mm-hmm. cryptids from west virginia and maybe it just gets lumped in there so that people can have a beefier list yeah but like i it's just a case that never really caught my imagination see grafton monster is a case that there is a lot more to it than what people like to um talk about George Dudding actually did a book on it, and he actually unveiled like a lot of stuff. And there's implications that Robert Cockrell actually had more information on the Grafton monster and more witnesses to it. Okay. And that book, whatever his notebook was at the time, like we don't have it, so we yeah. we don't know what these other sightings were. But there's an implication that there were more. And even then, there were still talks of people seeing this thing. Um, the thing I think that really brings Grafton into this web work of memorable monster because the first sighting is not very memorable. It's this big white blobby thing on the side of the road. It's not doing anything. It's barely, it's featureless essentially like no face, like even like with hands and feet and things, it's, it's difficult to discern. Like you can tell this humanoid esque, but I always thought of it visually as like a clay face. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Basically. Um, but the thing about it too is that you have a monster hunt involved with yeah. the story. Like you can have like a boring monster, I feel, or like something that doesn't look, you know, as extreme as say the Lake Worth monster, where it's a goat sure. man with scaly skin and you know yeah. does and throws tires and grabs yeah. chicken and things like yeah. that. Let's um, call it less compelling. Yeah, it's right? yeah, yeah. It, and you can have it that way. But if you have a monster hunt where the whole community is getting together, if you have a good story involved yeah. with it, 
it cements that as a a staple in in its own way. Um, sure. Because you're, it's a whole community striking together. I mean, there's always been that fascination with monsters because the angry mob, for example, um, and things like that, it, or the town going out to to fight the evil or whatever. It's something yeah. that's ingrained in in the culture of these types of stories. Be it um, whether it's like the 1930 from like the 1930s, 1920s on. Um, so when, when you hear about real life versions of that, it's exciting. It's interesting. It's like, yeah. oh no, these people actually legitimately believe that what they, what was going on was that, or they were just out having fun, screwing around, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but no, way, I love a good, I love a good monster hunt posse mm-hmm. as much as the next guy, right? Like that's what initially drew me to the Van Meter visitor mm-hmm. case is that I feel like that's one of the most epic monster hunting stories ever. Definitely, it's up there. Um, it's so difficult for me because I tend to like individual encounters, almost like Van Helsing type stories, where sure. it's like like in these encounters. Like, um, there's a case uh, that I'm that I'm researching. It's a Canadian Gator Man case um, called uh, the creature was called Slimy Casper. Um, okay. It also was called the Ninth River Monster. And basically the whole story behind this was that the sheriff of the town was out there like every day, like searching for this thing. And like, if you follow the newspaper trail of this, you hear like all the crazy stuff that he was like doing to like try to catch this monster. Like he ends up getting sprayed by a skunk because he thinks he catches it the one night. Um, they call in like this gator wrestler to come wrestle the <laughs> monster and well originally and that's not even the best part the gator wrestler brought gators so that the the lizard man gator man whatever you want to call it could mate Uh with these gators um so so that he then could go and like wrestle this creature um that's also how they tried to catch oscar the uh beast of busco mm -hmm. they're like they're like if we just fill up the lake with female and i think they actually did like sea tortoises Mm -hmm. that ended up dying because they're you know, saltwater tortoises that they mm-hmm. just dumped in a freshwater lake. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's crazy what when it comes to these stories, like what people will come up with or try to do. And to yeah. me that's more interesting because it's um it's very Ahab esque for me because sometimes yeah. it's sometimes it's literally is the white whale. Like cause they never catch the monster then. Yeah. They end up either becoming ridiculed or, you know, which is unfortunate or, um, you know, being like, no, this happened, or in some cases, you know, totally then later on denying that they even saw that something or that it ever happened. Um, like with the I love blood. the idea of the newspaper keeping up with his, like, search over time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. coming back and, like, the weekly check-in with our sheriff who's monster hunting. Yeah. You know? I, I love it. See, I love things like that. I love stories where you hear about the wacky zaniness of what of of art of these people's interactions with the creatures that's to me more interesting um because it's part of the story it's one thing if it's if all if all creature stories encrypted stories and alien stories were the same where it's just oh this guy saw something weird on a road it yeah what they would see would be weird but it would get old really fast yeah it's you, you need that extra push um for a story to be interesting or to be noteworthy. Um, even if it's... It, it, and that's why, like, the John Womack abduction, for example, not a lot goes on in that. It's one of the few abduction cases where it's just a guy talking to a bunch of aliens for, like, 
40 minutes or an hour or whatever the length of time is yeah. in that. And it's just a conversation. Like there's no, yeah. not, no, and then being shown the ship. Like there's no heinous medical experiments, no nothing like that. Just the guy sitting in a room with a bunch of aliens and they're being like, oh, well, you know, there's the demon pill, the anti-demon pills that we that we give out because demons are the real problem with the universe. Literally <laughs> something that they, they, they that these beings claim to uh, Womack and that they just tell these incredible stories about how they function, how they do this. And to me, those are the cases that are uh, particularly interesting. So so you like the, the UFO cases where where the abductee comes back with something with pieces of information sometimes but not always like um sometimes i think a lot of the times that gets also into kind of boring territory because how many times can you hear the alien said don't you know don't smoke cigarettes quit drinking don't litter litter, you know um in yeah, cases I, like in cases like that, the aliens need to be weird, like um, sure. like the La Rubia abductors, the uh, you know with their syringe belts and their scaly, tentacled skin and yeah. um, their their weird bowler helmets and bar stool legs. Um, yeah. It's it's one of those things where they're weird. They they inject this dude and the syringes just keep draining blood, like. You're expecting yeah. them to like drain them dry, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, don't litter." You know, <laughs> yeah. like, like it, it's so. Thank z- you come again. Yeah, it's so zany. It's <laughs> like it starts off like a ho- true horror show, and then it's like, "By the way, this is your planet. <laughs> Take care yeah. of it. Yeah. Be, be good. To, be good. Drink some water." So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I totally get that. Okay, so going back, um, were your like, were your parents into anything weird? Did you grow up into the... Were you into the weird stuff when you were a kid? I have always been into the weird stuff. Like, um... My parents... My dad is a masonry... Uh, he owns his own masonry business. Yeah. So, he's worked on some haunted houses, and he has told me stories. Like, uh, one... Uh, this goes into Sunbury. There's a, there's a very old house on a hill in Sunbury that he was refurbishing for this guy. And the guy basically had like a poltergeist that continuously like was a, was aggressive towards him. Um, it would, and anyone else that was working on the house, um, went like my dad would tell me that he would go and open windows and they would shut. There was a time where they almost shut on a dude's fingers that, um, the poltergeist basically, actually they found the dude one day, like down a flight of steps because he's and, he, and they asked him what happened. He said somebody pushed me from the top of the steps, but he was home alone. Ooh. Okay. So and this is a big house, so it's a lot of steps. So he's lucky he didn't break a neck or end yeah. up paraplegic. Um, so I would hear stories like that from my dad, um, and that there was like a passing interest, but not something where it was like ingrained. Like it wasn't like yeah. we were like watching in search of or. Um, you didn't grow up on unsolved mysteries and all that, like, no, like I've heard I'm, a million I'm act- times. No, actually, I was born in '97, so I'm still okay. Gotcha. I was see, I was kind of um, young for all that. Yeah. Like that—that that was past. Um, that was before my time. 
So I, it was like by the time you were like 12, 13, it was already like travel channel ghost shows. Yeah. So ghost, yeah, okay. like I watched a lot of sci-fis, um, okay. sci-fi ghost hunters and uh, monster quest. Gotcha. Monster gotcha. quest though, interests me the most out of them all because um, I w- my sister's, my sister is more interested in ghosts. I am less interested in ghosts, even though I've done a lot with ghosts going to haunted locations and things like that. Um, And now, really, the only ghosts that kind of interest me are ghost animals and ghost objects. Um, But cryptids always interest me more, so I would watch Monster Quest religiously. And um, that was the first show that I kind of gravitated towards. Um, But a lot of... I I was a a reader much more in uh, before that, so... And I read like myths and legends, and then it just kind of gravitated towards cryptozoology because it literally was the shelf above in my elementary school library. So it yeah. was, it, it was just kind of literally lucky placement um, with that. I could be, uh, if if I was any, if it was another section of the library, I could be talking about you know traditional animals right now, or you yeah. know classic literature as opposed to. Um, as opposed to things people th- may have seen. Um, I was going to say, like, uh, like old battleships. Oh, yeah, you know, right? this is the yeah. hull in the stern. Yeah, no, I, exactly. Uh, you know, in 1822, the British, you know, whatever. I, yeah. uh, Which I do find to some extent interesting, but n- not my I was couple- going to ask, are you a history guy in general? Do you like, do you like history? I like history to an extent. I think that at times it gets dry and boring. Um, sure. Like, I need a little bit more um, of a kick to it. Like, one of the most historical things I think I ever did was I went um, when I was in Baltimore, Maryland as, like, a kid. Because I'm a big um, – I do like to read um, horror books a lot. So, um and Poe is one of my favorite authors of all time. So I went and my sisters, they used to be involved in like cheerleading and stuff like that. So I have to get dragged to like all these like conventions, all over, and shows all over the place. And the one time we did that and it was in Baltimore and um, Baltimore was like the last place I drowned Poe was seen alive. Yeah. So we went and went to the last place he was seen alive outside the horse. You came in on saloon. We went to, um, his gravesite in Westminster Cemetery. We went to his house and we like walked the whole route basically. Yeah, so that's awesome. That to me was probably like the most historical thing that I've that I oriented thing that I've done. Um, I've gone to like ghost hunts and things like that where it's like um, like even in Baltimore I went and I, did, I I try to go to as many ghost hunts, but it's it's not it's always more about that and the legends there than. You know, oh, let's go and see the famous, you know, this is where the great standoff of 2012 or, you know, whatever. <laughs> sure. I'm like, I'm like yeah. okay, 2012. I don't know. Yeah. Just um, um, anything like that. So, yeah, I, I get what you mean. I'm I'll be honest, though. I'm a little surprised by that because the quality of your research to me reads as a history major. Yeah, no, not really. It's for me, it's. <laughs> History, I think, is important because you need to know the time, the place, things sure. like that. You need to know what's going on because at, at the time because that also can affect how these stories are told 
um, yeah. like with yellow journalism, which, you know, um, if you're reading something from the 1800s, you got to be a little leery of it because yellow journalism is a thing. It's something that they yeah. use to sell papers. So if somebody's saying... It still is today. Oh, just it no is. one calls it that anymore. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was very predominant back then when yes. this is how you're getting your news. It was totally unchecked back yes. then. Um, um, but yeah, context is everything. Yeah. Yeah. You have that, to go that, back and check things out and know a little bit about what's going on. Yeah. Or if you're dealing with a particular person or a particular case that involves a specific person, you need to know about them a little bit more. For example, like um, the ghost, the, the, there's a, there's a ghost chimp that haunts Athelhampton Hall. And it is, I'm sure you're familiar with this case. Yes. Um, and with that case, you have to go back and actually look at the family and look at the history and see why is there a ghost chimp that is now pleasuring itself in the afterlife in this house. Yeah. Um, and of course that gets back into the whole family. And then you have, and there's a, it's a build up to the, to the climax of, uh, the story and how this ghost is now running around. Um, yeah. and the same thing goes for, um, I try to do this a lot with ghost animal cases because that's more interesting to me is how, how they come about because they're not, not traditional. Um, like sure. the like the like the uh, ghost animals seen in the Tower of London and things like that. Um, yeah. So you you need history is an important tool and something that you sh- that shouldn't dismiss right away. But that's not my my main focus when I write at all. Yeah. So where I mean, where did your where did your research skills where did your research skills come from? Like, where did you learn your approach? And can you talk a little bit about your approach to research? Um, yeah, sure. There's a couple different things. Um, a lot of it, a lot of the research skills, if I can call them skills, I don't know. A lot of, of course, they are. <laughs> a, a lot of, a lot of when it comes to research for me is just, it was just reading, honestly. Like, I just read. Like, the, yeah. I do that. And if it's a case that I am interested in, um, I sort of do like the Stanley Kubrick thing. If you know that story where like he'll, he gets a bunch of books and he'll like flip through it and read like to a certain extent. And then if he doesn't like it, he throws the book against the wall type yeah. of a deal for me. That's how it is with cases. Like I'll read a case and if I'm not dr- compelled by it enough to want to look further, I just kind of put it aside. I don't care. Um, yeah. there, there's gotta be that pull. And if I find something that I think is interesting or that I feel like there's potential to, to have more to it, I'll do my usual follow-ups, which um, after I find something in a book, usually I it, a lot of the, my success is actually going through the humanoid um, encounters uh, books by Albert Rosales because granted, a lot of the times he cuts out a lot of the, the stuff just because there's a, if you if you included everything, there would be he'd be writing for for years and he wouldn't have all these cases kind of available. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll find a case on there or through there usually um, if I'm looking for something specific. If it drags my attention, I then try to find the original source that's listed. I go from there. I then widen the search usually through um, if there's certain taglines that I'll go that I see, I'll go through newspapers, see if there's anything like that. Um, 
I'll go into the Internet Archive. I will go through um, as many periodicals as I can find, Flying Saucer Review, um, Animal and Men, whatever, and kind of go from there and try to get as much information down as possible because there's always more to the story, even if it's not written or not finished or something like that. So I try to find out as much as possible. And then there's even times where, like, I'll finish something and then I'll find something later. And I'm like, well, I should have held off. But I I didn't have that resource or I didn't know about it. So it's, um, it's a complete fluke a lot of the times when it comes to things like that. Or, um, a lot of the times I'll be just searching for something specific and I'll be on like a path or something. And then something else will catch my eye and I'm like, oh, so this is the rabbit hole I'm going down this time. And it'll just be that then for a while until I'm done with that. And then I can go back to that. Um, or people will ask me to look into something and I'll go and I'll look into something and I'll be like, oh, so there's this. And then this is similar to this. Um, and then it just, again, um, rabbit holes and different things along those lines. And then I try to poly- write it. I then usually write up what I find. Um, I polish it up as best I can and I, uh, I upload it then. Um, and usually if possible, I try to draw the uh, whatever it is. So there's like a visual uh, element yeah. too, because a lot of the times of these things, people don't draw them or have any um, ideas of what it even looks like. So I have to kind of go from there. Uh, but I, I really appreciate your research because anyone who, who does work in, in our niche, like you, we all know there are these crazy one-off cases and they're Mm -hmm. all over the place. There are Mm -hmm. so many of these, a lot of people just refer to them as like high strangeness, right? Like Mm -hmm. these cases where one person saw one bizarre thing one time. And a lot of those are just left like that, mm-hmm. right? Where at most you get a paragraph mm-hmm. about about this experience, right? And there aren't that many people that are taking the time to really, like, dig in for all the extra meat in those stories, you know? So, I, I mean, that's, that's why I have your blog bookmarked. You know what I mean? That like that's what keeps that's what has kept me coming back and reading your stuff is because there are so many of those cases that I I'm like there has to be more mm-hmm. there has to be more right and I'm I'm just glad somebody is doing the research to find out the more. Uh, I mean, well, I, I sincerely appreciate that, and it's something that um, I'm just fascinated with because a lot of the times there there is more. It's just people tend to fall into I don't want to say it's a trap but they tend to just want to fall into things that they're more comfortable with um a big like Bigfoot roaming the countryside okay you know that's something that people can wrap their heads around um living dinosaurs okay a little bit of a stretch but okay Uh, this helps me with Jesus Oh, I've, no, no, not getting into it. Not getting into that. Not getting into that because. Uh, All right. Maybe I, next time. Yeah, no, it, it, no. That's the one thing that genuinely pisses me off yeah, is is good. when when people do the religious um, aspect to this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, then you're at home here on this show. Yeah. 
Because uh, it pisses us, us off too. Yeah, it's I. It's like I am firmly atheistic uh, in that aspect. Sure. Like, granted, there's a bias to that, but um, yeah. it's it's just you. There's so much evidence and things like that that you're just looping away from to support your own claims and only your claims. And I'm like, and it's just not. Ah, it just frustrates yeah, I mean, me. It's- it's uh, one of the most egregious examples of confirmation bias that mm-hmm, I've ever seen mm-hmm. in my life, right? Yep. It's, and yeah. Yep. And then it's always, you know, the arguments are never sound. They're always no. terrible. They're always terrible. <laughs> of, course, um, of course. And there's, let's be clear, there's a lot of room to be both not an atheist and also not a, not a, you know, young earth Christian. That's true. Like, there is a lot of space in the middle. There is... That is a completely acceptable version of belief that doesn't, you know, destroy and burn down science. There is, but, you know, you never see that, though. That them crusading. Them yeah, crusading for loud. that. It, no, no. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where... I, it's with everything. With everything, yeah. there's always the extremists and the zealots and things like that. So... Absolutely. The, the people, you know, I mean, and it's even with um, the ufology field and things like that and the cryptozoology oh, yeah. field and yep. and things that they're that go on there. So plenty of proselytizing. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you were making a point when I, I was. That and up. then, I, yeah. And then we got sorry, I forgot where we were. At. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, oh, the, the whole um, people tend to fall into this concept of um, these are more plausible or more and so this is what we should spend our time on and so there's all this other stuff then that gets basically put in the dumpster um, and left to rot like there's a there's a case uh, even Lauren Coleman in one of his books brings it up like there's these cases that just you, they're non, they're quote unquote non savable, and unfortunate, and unfortunately, those are the cases. Are fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how it is, those are the cases I'm interested in. Like, yeah. um, there's a New Jersey broccoli man case that is one of these ones that is constantly brought up, and it was because the wit, and the reason it's quote unquote unsavable is because the witness was apparently extremely drunk when he encountered this entity. Um, and every time I've tried to dig up more information on it, there's nothing. It's literally just New Jersey broccoli man. Drunk man sees it. There's nothing else. And I'm like, but drunk people can have experiences too. It's not, right. uh, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where he could have had a legitimate experience and now it's just kind of this joke. Um, yep. and people tend to, to, to fall into the, the bigger mysteries are the mysteries that seem to more be more plausible when there's all this other crazier stuff that's far more interesting. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't get either the same respect or it gets left to, into the the ant like the forgotten aspects of Fortiana. Um, it's some now there is somewhat of a, a resurgence in getting these stories back out there, and I and it is entirely. Um, through podcasts getting interested in it and I, and I am excited about that um, it's kind of another reason why I think the Woolton Gnomes case is making a huge comeback 
Um, now I'm just hoping for the other uh, gnome cases where they're seen flying planes and uh, boats and um, also with little trolleys and small miniature horses because that's a thing. Um, I mean, okay, so this is a perfect example. What do you think of those cases? Oh, they're like, wonderful. <laughs> what I mean, I know you like them. I mean, what do you... I mean, what the hell is that? Well, I mean, obviously... I, I won't say obviously because I'm sure there are some people who believe this, but to me, it seems obvious that there aren't flesh and blood gnomes flying planes around. No. You know what I mean? No. So what What do you think that is Well, that people are seeing? Well, I mean, you can go the, the valet route and say that what people are seeing is these are actually the e- the ET fairy connection. Sure. Um, because they're seeing tiny diminutive humanoids that are using technology. Yeah. The, um, the Fairy Investigation Society uh, wrote a book called Seeing Fairies. And in it, they describe... They, they cover the Wilton Park Gnomes case, but they also cover... Uh, the Bridgemont Gnome Race case, which is a case where uh, this girl basically saw um, it was a there's a specific name for this type of uh, cart, and they used to like race on it, and they and it actually was uh, basically they, this girl saw a whole bunch of gnomes in these types of carts that were actually being drawn by horses, and that they were behaving almost uh, what you would think of like in a residual haunting sort of way, reenacting what like on the, a track. Re- yeah, reenacting this um, this race in the middle sure. of where it used to be, um, and that's uh, and the book says that gnomes are mimics in that way. Like they will mimic us, they will mimic our technology and things like that. Um, I don't pretend to understand any any sure. of when it comes to uh, the fairy lore aspects and things like that. Um, I know that there's been a couple times when people have spoken to these types of entities. They that when they're dressed in like the Renaissance clothes and they've been asked about it, they're like, "Well, this is what was popular the last time we were around." So it's like they're mm-hmm. almost trying to fit in or trying to do things or appear in a certain way, but they're not getting it right. Um, yeah, and that's and that's like like when you're even looking at the the Woolton Gnomes case, like with the bubble cars. Like they look like cars, they, they but at the same time they have the big bubble overhead and things like that. Sure. Jetson that's the, style. Yeah, that's off. Um, yeah. And the same thing with like, there's the famous Italian case of the uh, Sanina hu- humanoids, where that tends to fall into the uh, the UFO angle a lot, where it's the conical shaped craft, um, and that but the clothing of these entities is very much of the style of the time or a little bit earlier. So for me, that's kind of like they're trying to mimic technology almost. Um, I do not that in those cases are the ones where I, it's, you, it can't be flesh and blood. You can't have that. And it's, and, and as a mimic or something along those lines. And I think that's the important thing, um, with the cases like that is that, in a lot of the cases where things go off the rails or not of the traditional sense, it is something that is a mimic or something along those lines. I don't want to say flat out like the ultra terrestrial because that's kind of its own weird 
web yeah. work that's meant to instead that to feed off emotions and things like that. These things yeah. don't seem to be doing that except for um, numb cases, uh, especially the ones that are covered in like the uh, seeing fairies, for example. They note that witnesses will suddenly feel like ecstatic amounts of joy, yeah. like like overwhelming things. And that's something that you also hear with like. Um, divine encounters and things like the angelic encounters yeah. and things like that. Um, so for me, that tends to be like one and the same and possibly something where like these things are appearing a certain way um, to us. As, as That also reminds me of a lot of abductees when they talk about where they're panicking and they just, they're, they just have like calm wash mm-hmm. over them mm-hmm. right and they're just this like euphoria that's that seems to be that seems to be a, a side effect of just being near these entities or you know what I mean yeah, uh, you, yeah. A, a lot of the times though with the I, I will say with with like abduction cases and things like that usually the, the calm is preceded by something the entities make a point of telling them that they're right, going they're like, to you're going to be calm now. Yeah. Or or like the, or like in the David Huggins incident where like he's getting the nose implant and he's like yeah. you hurt me and he's like she, and Preston's like well let me see and then waves her hand over magician sure. style. It, it's yeah. it's like there's there's a, there's the action of it whereas in other cases it's like instantaneous um yeah. Just being near them does just it. yeah. So there's there yeah. is a like a big difference I think between the two, and it's another yeah. thing where I don't necessarily or like um going back to John Womack, he describes something similar about um in his case about suddenly feeling super happy all the time, and this is after he was basically instructed to take one of the anti demon pills, and they yeah. say that negative energy and things like that is caused by demons and things like that and so this pill is basically like ecstasy <laughs> or something yeah. along those lines <laughs> space ecstasy um yeah it, jesus it, that would catch on so fast oh yeah something <laughs> like that those aliens could make a killing down here oh yeah they could <laughs> they're space ecstasy space ecstasy space weed like in Chi Chi yeah. Chong, so it's yeah, exactly. It, it's I like you're you're too young for unsolved mysteries, but you bust out the Chi Chi Chong reference. I mean, Chi Chi Chong were <laughs> Chi Chi Chong were making movies at, like up to like the the two thousands. I think yeah. So were they? Yeah, yeah. There was an. I anime- always think of that as like an an eighties thing. Like I mean, like Up in Smoke, next movie, still smoking. I guess Up in Smoke was nineties, right? I, th- was like I think it was like I think that was like late eighties. Yeah, I, I next movie was nineties, okay. and then you had like Nice Dreams with Pee Wee Herman yeah. turning, you know, in the in the in the Looney Bin, um, yep. and the people turning into lizards. Um, yeah, there was the Up and Smoke was always my jam, so I I think that's probably why I think of it as an eighties thing. Oh, I, I right. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was like the late eighties. Because I think next movie was like 1990, like right on the dot. But I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not a Cheech and Chong expert. I've just watched yeah. of their movies. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's with, um, with with entity cases that are like that. Um, even with like Veggie Man. Veggie Man, you know, uh, Jennings felt pain, and then he looked into Veggie Man's eyes, and then that's when like he stopped feeling pain. 
Yeah. So it's yeah. and that's something too where it goes back into that whole thing. There's a lot of there seems to be like almost a separation between cases that are like that and that. So it's it's so difficult to to also to split it yeah. and cut the line, but and I mean, uh, when you get anytime you get into comparative folklore, right? You you end up splitting hairs, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to go like, okay, this falls into this basket, this falls into this basket, like that. That's the whole game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when did you start like sort of taking? Because you said that you were into this stuff pretty early, but when did you start taking it? I'm gonna say seriously. Like, when did you really start writing about it and researching it? And Well, I started doing more local stuff, um, researching local stuff, back in 2017. Um, that would have been about when I first really started doing a lot of boots-on-the-ground stuff. Um, talking to local eyewitnesses who had seen ghosts or um, UFOs or Bigfoot in the area and um talking to people like i talked to um the the local fire chief in sunbury was one of the people that i talked to that actually was there when they found the spontaneous human combustion victim um and that basically that kind of spawned me into like looking at more stuff in my area um and talking to as many people as possible and eventually planning trips when i would hear about a sighting that was relatively close to me that I could drive to, or um, if I had some time off, I could get to. Like, I spent a lot of time at Racetown Lake. Even though that's a man-made lake, people report seeing a, um, basically a a lake monster there. Um, A lot of people describe it as, like, a plesiosaur type deal, but most of the time it's almost like a giant black snake. And so if if, if that's the case, then it could just be like the broad top serpent just going for a dip um <laughs> yeah and it makes sense because in the 1800s there's also the wolf pond monster and wolf pond is a lake in dauphin county and that is described as a giant black serpent with yellow rings and a green head and that overturned yeah. uh, a fisherman's boat and um so again you have these black serpentine um creatures that basically are like swimming in the water and Snakes do like water; they do swim. Yeah. So for me, it's not too. It makes it makes a lot more of a sense than um, this is a, a, a living a dinosaur, plesiosaur, <laughs> or yeah. that um, something has been living in the lake. That's a man-made lake from day one. Yeah, um, this is something that's that like the. Um, that's it. Reminds me of the uh, Meshikanapec in Indiana. Okay, we have uh, it's very serpent-like lake monster. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it reminds me, have you ever heard of the Oxford ghoul snake in and Indiana? I don't think so, actually. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. So mm-hmm. the legend is that this um, that this 20-foot long, and it's supposed to be like three, three or four feet in diameter, a giant snake lives underneath the Oxford Cemetery and it burrows and it lives off feeding on the corpses. Alright. That yeah. is metal. I like yes. that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's metal as hell. Yeah. I really like Recommend that. Recommend looking into that one. Alright, yeah. definitely we'll have to. Because that is awesome. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, big big snakes are my are my jam type of a deal too. I like encounters with giant snakes. We have, like I mentioned earlier, we have the broad top serpent, which is like our, our like yeah. little our big one. Like, um, but then we also have like the devil's den serpent in Gettysburg and um, just tons of cases like that. But I I have a general like distaste for lake monsters. Mm. Like I just generally find them boring, and I feel like. The, mat, the vast majority of them are just created so they can become gift shop plushies. You know what I mean? Um, uh. And maybe that's like a, a jaded way to look at it, but I feel like all the like Nessie clones all over the US, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like a, a ton of them are, are pretty, I don't know, not compelling, but oh, yeah, I definitely. do... I I do generally find myself more interested in in the serpent like like I would rather hear about the Lake Tahoe monster mm-hmm. Tessie mm-hmm. I find that infinitely more interesting than any plesiosaur oh definitely yeah definitely I mean I like there's the- also lots of cool tie-ins with Tessie about like old mob stuff oh yes yes going on and around the, Lake Tahoe the and... world isn't ready for what's down there and yeah exactly yes. Yeah. yeah yes um definitely that uh the plesiosaur angle is something that obviously is not gonna be the deal I've always sure. I've always been a fan of the giant turtle theory myself or the giant snake theory because that makes the more sense to me and also like yeah. even, even if you're looking at like the Sandra Mancy photo um mm-hmm. uh that looks like a giant turtle and when you hear about the Bidet film and how it actually is a giant turtle yeah yeah that <laughs> yeah. that to me is kind of my thing but you have the diehard this is um tani strophius or um mm-hmm. a plesiosaur or a mosasaur or yeah. whatever and i'm i'm not a fan of that but yeah same uh, i um you know i never thought i'd say this but we're gonna end on lake monsters okay okay so before we go cole tell the people where to find you where to follow you and anything cool you have coming up that you'd like them to check out. Okay, yeah. Um, I You can find me on Instagram at Cole Herald Researcher. Um, I do have a blog. I have not written on there for a while, but you can um, definitely check that out. There's a ton of cool stuff on there at uh, newworldexplorersociety.blogspot.com uh, that has a ton of different obscure uh, cryptid encounters and high strangest encounters and any sorts of weirdness that you might be interested in. Um, there's also a Facebook page for New World Explorer Society. Um, I'm also, if you need to get a hold of me, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Um, your best bet to get a hold of me is through Instagram, though. Um, and that is pretty much where I'm at right now with projects. I've got a couple in the yeah. woodworks, but. Um, those are the main things that you can, if you want to check out and find me there. Excellent. I highly recommend the blog. It's been like something I go back to over and over again over the last year or so. Um, and, and links to everything will be in the episode description. So definitely go check that out. Dude, thank you so much for doing oh, this. Yeah. This was no awesome. Problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, 
probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.